Hello everyone, this is Deborah Richardson and today I am putting the AP in Happy where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. This podcast will give a voice to accounts payable team members by talking about the growing reality of cyber attacks in their world and which vendor setup and vendor management techniques they can apply to protect the vendor master file from fraud. If you are like most of your accounts payable or procurement vendor team, then your vendor addresses in your vendor master file are standardized in a format that ensures they will be mailable. But the question is, will your vendor get what you send them? Keep listening. Welcome to episode 124. Do you have vacant or inactive vendor addresses in your vendor master file? Question, are your vendor addresses mailable? Well, it may sound like a given and a very simple task to accomplish, but if you are like many others thinking of your vendor master file, you may wonder if your vendor addresses are standardized in a format compatible with the U.S. Postal Service, USPS, or the Universal Postal Union, UPU. You may also wonder, once it's in the right format, Is it even deliverable or is the address status inactive or vacant? And if you never thought about it, this can be a great episode for you. So let's talk first about the difference between standardization and status. Now, depending on where you are mailing your document from and to, the source of the mailable format that should be used in your vendor master file can be different. So if it's mailed to or from the United States, it should be based on the USPS address formats in publication 28. Now I will have a link to that publication in the accompanying blog post for this podcast and I'll have the link for that blog post in the show notes. Um, So go over there if you want to just follow the link or you can just go to USPS and and find uh, search for publication 28 and it'll come up. And for those that are not aware, Publication 28 is the United States Postal Service or USPS. It is their postal addressing standards. Now for mail that originates outside of the U.S., so it's mailed from an international country and it's being mailed to an international country, I typically recommend that you follow um, the Universal Postal Union uh, formatting standards. Now I will say, uh, and I'll again put a link to that site in the blog post, But what typically happens when I use them is I will go over there and I will um, put in the country and then they will uh, identify a free third party site that I can go to to validate my address format. Okay, so once you have identified the proper format and it is mailable, meaning it's standardized, now you should focus on identifying the status whether the vendor will actually receive whatever you mailed them. 
And what do I mean by that? Well, you may not know this, or maybe you do, but when you complete an address search on USPS, right, because you want to get the right format, uh, and you get that proper format, it's revealed, you can be confident that it is valid. But what the United States Postal Service or USPS does not show you is the status of that address. They actually have it, you just don't see it. And the status could be vacant or inactive. Okay, so what does vacant or inactive mean? So vacant means it indicates that a delivery point was active in the past, but it currently is vacant. And in most cases, that means it's been unoccupied for over 90 days and is not receiving deliveries. Now, this status is often obtained when mail receptacles aren't being empty and are filling up. So mail is being held at the post office for a certain number of days before the delivery point is marked vacant. And that's actually a definition from Smarty streets and it really means that no one mail can be delivered but depending on where the USPS or, or, or the post office is in their process um, it can be stacking up at the mailbox because nobody is picking it up or it could be at the time period in the in the flow where it's uh, not even being delivered it's being held at the post office for someone to eventually come and get so it's mailable but it's not getting to your vendor now the next status inactive Here's the definition, and again, this was taken from Smarty Street's documentation. The definition is that inactive indicates whether the address is active or in service according to USPS. So for example, new developments may have addresses but will be inactive until someone moves in. Or for example, after a uh, disaster like Hurricane Katrina, addresses in the areas that were affected, those addresses were marked as inactive for a time. Now, another thing is that residents or occupants can also mark their own mailboxes as inactive for privacy and other reasons. Now, I don't know what those other reasons are, and uh, I can definitely see uh, an individual or a family doing that. I'm not sure if any vendors would do that, but you never know. Um, but the, the point is, is that the um, uh, post office can indicate that they are inactive or the occupants can uh, uh, designate their mailboxes as inactive. In either case, the vendor's not getting their mail. Okay, so all of you out there that either have some type of a program within your ERP that validates uh, and, and um, standardizes the addresses, or if you were like me and part of your team's process was to go to USPS or maybe with 10Check or something and just verify we have the right format and then key it in from there. Now you're all probably wondering about your addresses, uh, vendor address in your vendor master file. So with that, I'm going to take a short pause here and I'm going to talk about the sponsor of this podcast, Smarty Streets. Are you starting to get back your mailed 1099s as undeliverable to the address you had on file for the vendor? 
Did you check the status first to make sure the vendor address you had on file was mailable? Before you mail those 1099s back out again, use Smarty Streets to validate not only that the address is in the right format, but also that the vendor address is not inactive or vacant. Check smartystreets.com AP to make sure you don't get your 1099s back again. Oh, and since it handles both U.S. and non-U.S. addresses, make sure you use smartystreets.com AP before you mail out those 1042s. So coming back to the topic, and actually the sponsor is like right on with the topic today, let's talk about what bad vendor addresses can cost your company. Now, no one wants the rework of handling mailed items that have been returned, not just because many accounts payable or AP teams are still working remotely and handling returns requires going to the office, but also because it's a manual process that can result in penalties and late fees. Now, the first one that I'm talking about with that rework of those mailed items coming back is check returns. Uh, So I don't know about you guys, but uh, my last position, we had to have a person assigned to uh, handle all of those check returns. And I don't even think that person was the one that voided the check. They just handled the checks. Um, We had a large population of uh, payments that went out and all those payments went out in checks. We actually had uh, a a third-party resource um, that would uh, send the checks out, but we had to handle those checks when they came back. And so, you know, once you're getting that mail check back, it takes time to open the envelope, contact the vendor and or void the check in the system, scan the check or file it. Yes, I know some are still out there. I was still doing it a few years ago, um, reissuing the check and then sending it out again. Well, by the time the check It takes the check to get out and then come back. Now, late fees have applied, especially if due to working capital concerns, the payment of the invoices are timed just right to not be too early, but also to not be too late that they incur late fees. Well, once that check is returned, the vendor may assess late fees because now it is late. And in addition to that, they have probably already called your accounts payable help desk or payment team because they want to check on payment status because they haven't gotten the gotten the check yet. So now it's not only working, reworking, handling that check that's come back, but now you've got increased volume to your AP help desk uh, as well. Now, the next item that gets returned that you really don't want to get returned is the 1099s. And if you're listening to this podcast uh, near the published date, which is uh, February 25th, this is prime time that every time you get mail in, you're getting those 1099s, uh, 1099s back, either because the address um, wasn't standardized and so it was not mailable or it's not valid or because uh, the vendor uh, is no longer there, the address is vacant or inactive. 
Now, getting these 1099s back is a bit of, can be more stressful because you can incur late fees from the IRS. So you get those 1099s back and it's again, just like uh, the checks, it's a lot of rework. Um, you've got to open them, scan them. Uh, we used to log them and then attach them to the vendor record. And then we would research and prepare to, to find a way to send it out to the vendor, get the right address, and then resend it to the vendor. But the problem is, is by this time, um, vendors that did not receive their 1099s because that address was inactive or vacant, or uh, maybe it wasn't standardized, by this time, they've already called the AP Help Desk with their inquiries again, increasing the AP help desk workload. Even worse is now this delays the process of vendors reviewing their received 1099s and reporting a mistake. And that causes a delay in reporting the correction to the IRS. And that correction costs you money. And the correction that could have been reported in a timelier fashion had the 1099 made it to the vendor now costs your company more since the IRS penalty table for not providing and filing correct payee statements and returns. That is based on the number of days late. So if you send that 1099 out, uh, and it does not make it to the vendor and it's wrong and then it comes back to you and then you've got to find a way to get it to the vendor and then the vendor finally reports to you that it is wrong and you do your research now it's going to cost you more with the IRS or it could potentially cost you more with the IRS depending on what your turnaround time is like so the bottom line clean your vendor master file and while you're cleaning your vendor master file, don't forget to check the address status. Now, if you need an address status resource, uh, the sponsor of this podcast, Smarty Streets, and you can go to smartystreets.com AP, and you do get 200 free U.S. address checks, and I believe that's per month, but you can check them out, and that may be good enough for you. Um, don't forget, though, you do need to send those 1042s out, so check your, your um, non-U.S. addresses as well. Now, if you need a resource that gives you instructions on how to clean your vendor master file, I will put a link to my free on-demand webinar. Uh, it's called Eight Steps to Clean Your Vendor Master File When You're Doing It Manually. Um, I will put a link to that in the blog post. And again, the blog post will be linked in the show notes. So make sure you check that out. And that uh, on-demand webinar, along with all of my free webinars, are on my YouTube channel. And for each of the webinars, I have timestamps. So you can skip around as you, as you please. But I do have an eight-step process. And really, you should do it from step one through step eight in order. But feel free to jump around to whatever you need to focus on. Okay, so thanks everyone. I hope you enjoyed the 124th episode of the Putting the AP in Happy podcast, where accounts payable teams are empowered to protect the vendor master file from fraud. Don't forget to check the show notes for the links mentioned in the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, consider subscribing and writing a review of my podcast on the platform that you use to listen. Stay happy. Stay happy.